Thank you, Kelly Robinson. That is why they call it a talk show. It's not just a listen show. It's a talk show. We need some talk. We need some talkers. We need you. This is live on a uh, on a post-4th of July. What is this, the 9th? Is this the 9th? Look at my... Yeah, it's the 9th of July. It's a hot 9th of July. Good golly, it's hot. Give us a call, won't you please? We'll talk about the plants at your place. I don't think you're out gardening at this time of day. Let's talk about what you saw earlier this morning and what you see in the evenings. Evenings are pretty pleasant once the sun gets down kind of in the horizon area. It is uh, 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080. Give us a call right now. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones. He gets two jobs. I get one job, and that's figuring out how to answer your question. I need some callers. I really want some callers. It's going to be a long hour. Otherwise, I know you'll call. Uh, if I can help you with anything other than uh, rural, agricultural things, I don't work in that field. I've been doing this a long time, and you'd think I'd kind of branch out into the chickens and the and the field crops and things, but I don't. I, I do urban horticulture. I try to do it well. And uh, after 45 years, I've just decided if you if you limit yourself to Texas, that's challenge enough. And if you limit yourself to urban horticulture, uh, the uh, lawns and landscapes, house plants, uh, fruit and vegetables, uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's what I work with. I do want to say that one specific category I have put on my website because it takes up half the program to try to figure out a St. Augustine problem. Um, not that I don't know the answers. It's just so hard to identify them on a phone call, which is, after all, what a radio talk show is. So I spent a day about three or four weeks ago and uh, put all the St. Augustine problems which kind of branch over into Zoysia is also, in many cases, um, into a document on my website at neilsperry.com, St. Augustine uh, Issues or Diagnostics, or let me, well, I'm not going to bother looking. It's right on the home page. And if you'll click on that, you'll see everything that I wrote. It's a long document, but it discusses everything from the spring when your lawn may not green up because of grub worms. They're not going to be doing damage out there now. Uh, so grub worms and then take all root rot and then gray leaf spot and chinch bugs and brown patch and not enough sunlight is a big one that a lot of people overlook. They don't realize that the St. Augustine is dying because it's too shady. Uh, and then into the fall, you have a brown patch, might even see St. Augustine decline once in a while, and uh, and then grub worms in the fall and winter and coming out of the uh, uh, winter in the early spring. So all that is right there at neilsperry.com. I would appreciate not uh, trying to get into St. Augustine diagnostics. Now, if you're talking about how far apart the space blocks of St. Augustine when you plant them, no problem. Other things about St. Augustine other than just what's wrong with it. Uh, anything else, fair game pretty much. And uh, that's what we have for our program. Once again, that phone number, 888 256 1080. As we approach the middle of July, that begins to be pepper planting time across Texas. In South Texas, you're at the prime planting time for uh, fall tomatoes. And uh, so if, you, if you're interested, you ought to be planting small to mid-sized varieties of tomatoes. If you're in the northern half of the state, if you're going to be planting tomatoes, you need to plant them into big containers, 10-gallon containers. Uh, because you may need to move them into the into protection with an early freeze. 
um, it's ideal to plant them the last week of June or certainly by the 4th of July. You can take a chance and plant them this weekend. You won't hear me say that next week. It'll be too late. But in South Texas, it's prime planting time for planting outside. Um, so that's uh, that's a start. We'll get the program underway in just a second. I look forward to hearing from you. Once again, that phone number, toll-free and free. <laughs> you don't have to pay for these answers. That takes the pressure off me. 888-256-1080. I love doing this program, and I really enjoy doing it. Uh, think about this. You're, you're giving gardening advice to Amarillo and at the same time to Corpus Christi. That's a challenge. You're giving gardening advice to Alpine, which, if you're not familiar, is in the biggest county in Texas, Brewster County, in the, uh, in the mountains of West Texas, Southwest Texas, and at the same time to Crockett in the Piney Woods in East Texas. And it doesn't get much more diverse than those four cities. So that's the fun of doing this program. I love this. So with that in mind, the fifth printing of Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. I have marked down to thirty-two ninety-five, and I'm just going to leave it there for a, a little while longer, not a lot longer. And the reason I'm doing that, number one, I just really want to help you beat inflation. It uh, was thirty-six ninety-five, and the sixth printing when it comes out will be thirty-eight ninety-five. Everything has gone up. But as long as I can, I'm going to help you keep the, by keeping the price as low as I can. Thirty-two ninety-five. This is a book that is written for every county in the state of Texas. Those counties I just mentioned, uh, and and so it's written for every part of Texas. It covers lawns, landscapes, fruit, flower, and vegetable gardens. It has a chapter. Chapter two is a forty-eight page calendar. It's a perpetual uh, text calendar. It tells you month by month what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in that month in your landscape and garden. I've never done that in a book before. And so there it is for you, all ready to roll. Used to do it in an annual gardening calendar, but there was about one-fourth or one-fifth as much information as this has. Now, chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas, and then chapter two, the calendar. Chapters three through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I worked a month on each one of those chapters. I just said them in one breath. Oh, that's that's a, a disparity of, of time spent. I'd love to get this book in your hands. It's the best work I've done in my career. And I self-published the book so that I could have it the way I knew it needed to be. Carolyn Skye was the editor, still a longtime dear friend. Cindy Smith, the graphic designer, say the same thing about Cindy. These two ladies are the best at their craft. So the book is only $32.95. It is not in stores, and it is not on Amazon. Your satisfaction with it is completely guaranteed, or I'll refund every penny you spend. 75,000 copies sold, and not one request for refund. I know you're going to like it. I sign your copy as it sells, and here are the ways you can buy it. You can order it on my website right now, or you can call my office Monday through Friday business hours, 800 752-GROW, 752 grow That's 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it right now so you have it done, and that is at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce. Hopes remained high. 
It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Now here we are 90 years later, and that Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products, they understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather, weather we're accustomed to in our area. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, heavy rain, hail, and even in some parts of Texas, snowstorms for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want that peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's been made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com to learn more and to find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call, 877-2-MUELLER. That's the number two, 877 877- Two six eight three five five three, or stop by one of their thirty-three locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they are made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly, and we're ready to go to the phone lines. Let's start out in College Station, where I grew up. It's Barbara. How can I help you this morning, Barbara? Hi, uh, I bought a Chinese pistachio, and it's in its third year. Uh, we, you know, we haven't had no rain, and so it's sprinkled three times a week, and I put on about a gallon three times a week extra, and it's it's looking great, except the bottom half of the tree, the edges of the leaves are black, and a okay. couple of them are turning yellow. Barbara, what size container was it in when you bought it? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I got it at Callaway's in Fort Worth. All right. And how did you get it home? I put it in the car. All right. Inside the car with you? Yes. All right. So it was probably in a five- or seven-gallon pot? Probably, yeah. All right. Whatever size container... It came in, that's how much water you need to give it every other day. So if it was in a, a five-gallon pot, it needs to have five gallons of water every two days. Okay. The, the problem is that the soil ball is very lightweight. That's uh, what all wholesale growers use uh, because of, uh, well, they, they need to have water go in, nutrients go in quickly so that it doesn't wash off the top of the pot, and most importantly, for freight costs they want the lightest weight soil mix they can get and so they use uh, mixes that don't have a lot of topsoil in them and so those those new plants when you set them out they have a lot of roots in there from the tree but they don't have much soil to hold moisture and so it's really important for the first two or three years that you have a, a new tree that you water it by hand and put as much water on it every two days in the in the heat as it had soil in the pot. So, like I say, five gallons or seven gallons, ten gallons, whatever size the container was, that's how much water it gets every couple of days. Uh, in the in the fall and in the spring, you'd probably go every three or four days. If you get an inch of rain, uh, maybe you don't have to do it that day, but you don't go three or four days. You 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 know it's uh, that's equivalent to about a four inch rain probably to put that much water on it. I make a basin. A lot of people, for what I have never figured out, well, I have figured out, 
um, why they put these mounds around their trees up against the trunk. Uh, and I think, I think the reason is they see commercial people doing that. And the reason commercial people do it is they don't want to take the, they don't want to have to lug the soil back off the planting uh, location back to their trucks. Uh, in, in reality, what, what I do and what works beautifully for me is I'll make a basin with that, a kind of a, like an inner tube. I'll make a donut around the tree, a, a berm that can hold water. And that's where I'll put the water. Uh, when I when I irrigate, uh, what I use is a hose and what's called a water bubbler. Uh, a water bubbler is the size of my fist, and it has holes about the size of a pencil, about the size of my pinky finger, all in the outside of it, probably 75 of those holes or 50 of them. And I can turn the water on full blast, and it won't wash the soil out of that basin. It, they, they work beautifully, and so I can water every two days, and, and it will soak in very quickly and, and do the job. That browning around the edge or blackening is, is moisture stress. That's kind of like we oh, have. Oh, is it? It's yeah. not, not fungus. Oh, absolutely not. Diseases don't realize that they're at the edge of the leaf and start there. Um, the, uh, the, the blackening or browning of edges of leaves and tips of leaves is the same as we have with frostbite or with poor, poor circulation of, of our heart. Um, and, and we feel it at the tips of our toes, tips of our fingers, the point farthest from the source, our heart. Well, in the case of the plants, when there's not enough moisture, it's the tips of the leaves and the edges of the leaves. That's the last place to get water, the first place to get dry. So anytime you see edge or tip burn, that's a plant that has not gotten water properly uh, to the to those spots. Now that can be caused by not enough water, which is the case with your pistachio tree, but it could also be caused by, uh, oops, I put too much fertilizer on it and that's too much salt, or oops, uh, there's some kind of trunk damage that I did with the lawnmower, or, you know, oops this, oops that. Um, but, but that's just moisture stress. It's not a disease. Well, thank you. So that would affect the bottom half of the tree. Yes, because the tree is trying to keep the top part alive. That's where the growth is occurring. Have you ever had a have Have you ever had a poinsettia? Uh, yes. Have you ever let it get too dry? It wilts, and then you water it, and it perks back up. But what happens to it then? I don't know. It drops its bottom leaves. It looks like a palm tree. Oh, okay. Bottom leaves. Bottom leaves are affected. Same as with your pistachio tree. Hey, I appreciate your call. Got to water it more. It'll be all right. Just keep watering more heavily. Okay. Uh, we, well, we're out in the country, and I can't get a hose to it. So. Well, you'll need you to carry sprinklers. a bucket then. Yeah, sprinkle I'll is not a word. A that, yeah, yeah, sprinkle is not a not a good word when you're talking about a tree counting on water. Yeah, okay. That's kind of, well, thank you very much. You are welcome very much. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Talk to you later. Um, sprinkle is equivalent to I'm really thirsty. I just ran a marathon. Give me a spritz of water. I don't think so. Not enough. Let me, let me step sideways long enough to talk about something else. This is a, you know, those bags that you see around tree trunks? No, just no. That's all there is to it. Water them. Just soak them with a hose. Spend your money on water. Spend your money on flowers. Spend your money on something else. But those, no. And I see them around big trees. People think they're watering their trees. I got I got a note this week 
to my eGardens newsletter. You'll see it in there if you look at eGardens. I'm about to do an ad for eGardens, and you'll see the photo with one of these bags hanging around a tree that's probably five years old. What's that about? The roots are five or eight feet out from the trunk, and the bag's hanging around the trunk, and the tree's not doing well. No kidding. So, no, those are an expensive way to mark where a tree used to be alive. <laughs> no, no. Um, that uh, was my personal opinion, if you couldn't tell. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. It comes from my computer directly to your email, and it happens just a little after 6 p.m. I got mine at uh, 6.03 this week, sometimes 6.02, sometimes 6.03 or 4. But right about that time period, we have 80,000 of them that go out by constant contact, and, you know, that's that's a lot to distribute at one time. And... uh, People tell me that they enjoy it, that it's the best thing I do, and just a variety of things. We have added a new feature to eGardens, and that is the Q&A section, uh, where I invite eGardens readers to send me their questions. Now, with 80,000 people, we have to put a limit on how many I can accept, uh, because I just uh, can't answer all the questions. So it does shut down after a while, so you need to post it right after 6. But but, uh, then I, I just answer those questions and you get to see what people are asking from all over the state it really is fun and uh, then i always have a featured plant of the week i always have gardening this weekend where i point out the things that need to be done in the ensuing three days friday saturday sunday comes out thursday evening that way you can make your plans thursday evening buy your products on friday and be ready to roll saturday morning first thing and so that's what eGardens is all about. We've been doing it 18 years, and I think you'll like it very, very much. Take a look at it if you'd like to. We have gone back to archiving more than just the, previ- uh, the, the current week. We've gone back to archiving five, the five previous eGardens, because I wanted you to be able to look at the questions that have been posted. There are about 15 or 16 questions per week. Uh, we, we let more than that in, and then I choose those that are of most meaning to, to the general readers across the state. And uh, you'll be able to see what questions people have asked and the photos they've sent, and maybe some of those will be of interest to you and of importance to you. That's Neil Sperry's eGarden. Sign up for it. It's free and always will be. I will never give or sell your email address to anybody, and I will certainly not spam you. So I just don't work that way. So you can take a look at it, see if you'd like to be a part of it. Join the other 80,000 people who have signed up for it. And you do all of that at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. We go right back to the phones. Let's go to Steve in Crockett. Steve, this is Neil. Good morning. Yeah, I've been listening to you for about 10 years. Uh, thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I, uh, you, you touched on some of the tomato issue earlier, and it's, I'm, this is a second, second, we got disconnected earlier. Uh, so, but anyway, on the tomatoes, um, I was wondering, uh, if you planted the tomatoes, this is a gardening question, uh, in like say a 50% shade issue, would that help any in setting the bloom? No, not at all. The, uh, the, the problem is temperature, and uh, when you get above 90, 92 degrees, 94 degrees, it's, it's still there. Um, it may be even hotter out in the sun, I guess, but no, that's not going to help, and you need the sun for the plants to be healthy. They're going to stretch and get lanky in shade. What about um, 
like uh, some kind of a chemical application both in the roots and the tops to help set the bloom. The thing that helps set the bloom is cooler weather. All right. Period. Plus, mm-hmm. plus. now, Steve, the other thing that, that happens uh, with tomatoes, I, I wrote about this in eGardens. If you care to read it this week, you can you can go on my website. Uh, I, don't, I don't, yeah, um, I don't have direct access to, uh, I'm mostly audio value. Thank you. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, the the thing that uh, that people uh, sometimes don't realize is that tomatoes uh, are pollinated by mechanical agitation, by vibration, not by insects. Uh, they have perfect flowers. They have the pollen and the the uh, uh, the the pistils in the same flower. And so, if you have a tomato plant growing up against a, uh, we'll say, a wooden fence or the side of a house or something, where the wind is blocked from them then they may not get enough motion to, to pollinate. And so we can go out and thump the flower clusters and jar that pollen loose. In a greenhouse, they have a mechanical agitator that, that they use that just shakes the... Right. It's, it's not a, a violent shake. It's just about like thumping a paper wad would be. And yeah, uh, yeah. I have I have used that. I grew greenhouse tomatoes for a couple of winters, and uh, it works beautifully. So you can try that. So I'm not saying that there is nothing you can do to improve the fruit set, but if it's if it's 98 degrees or 97, uh, I'm I'm scaling it down because yeah. East Texas tends to be a little bit cooler than West Texas. No, uh, then, then yeah, and also- then uh, yeah, to finish, then your tomatoes are are probably not going to set, especially large fruiting tomatoes. That's the question. Yeah, right. Uh, now the the cherry tomatoes don't seem to have much of a problem. That's correct. The larger they, ones. They are viable. Now, is for there about, any? Okay, go ahead. Is there any kind of a a uh, modified genetic issuance of tomatoes that might be in between the large and the small that might do better in the heat? As far it's as a direct you know, relationship fruit. of fruit size to to ability to set uh, fruit in in higher temperatures. Smaller the fruit, the better they'll set at higher temperatures. The larger the so fruit, is there any, the less they'll set. Yeah. So is there any variety that might be in between those two that might work a bit better? It's a direct relationship, Steve. Uh huh. Pick your size. You have you have every size, and it's a continuum. Pick your size. It's All right, totally so there are related. some varieties you say that could be in between. All of them. All of them are in between. You go from you go from uh, uh, sweet 100, super sweet 100s, the smallest, up to whatever the okay. largest is. It may be big boy or or beefsteak. Beefsteak's probably the largest, and everything is in between. And so you you ask several times now, is there anything in between? And they all are in between. And what I'm saying is you, you keep stepping it up, and every time you take a step larger, you lose some ability to set at higher temperatures. Right. Okay. Thank totally you. Totally related to that. You bet. You bet. Roger. Okay. All right. God bless. Thanks. Yeah, Bye-bye. I, I was amazed at how uh, how much research has been done on that in the uh, universities. <sighs> Let me catch my breath. <laughs> I feel like I've been on a treadmill. Um, the, uh, the universities have done a lot of research on that more than I ever dreamed. And, uh, I forget where it was. A, a lady has done just a great deal of research on it. I think in the Midwest. Um, and I quoted her, uh, in, in what I wrote on eGardens, I believe, or else I just, uh, summed it all up. But there were probably 10 or 15 universities that, uh, gave you plenty of ample 
uh, example. When I Google something, I will uh, put university as my first keyword. Uh, and uh, so it would have been university, uh, correlation, uh, temperature, fruit set, tomatoes. And, uh, boy, that got a lot of stuff, so I welcome you to do that. Uh, let's see. Let me see where I am now. I think I got everything out that I wanted to mention. The, uh, the cherry tomatoes are able to set at several degrees warmer, um, probably five degrees warmer. They will set up into the high 90s. Uh, you, you'll probably get some fruit set into the triple digits, but they struggle. Uh, the plants themselves just struggle when it gets really hot. You'll always have better uh, uh, yields on tomatoes if you plant a second crop in midsummer in, at the 4th of July weekend and harvest them in the fall. Pulling the plants through the summer is always going to be inferior to starting with new transplants if you can find them. All right, let me get a break out of the way, and, and uh, then we'll come back. We have Jan in Bryan, Mary in Dallas, and Wendell in College Station. Mary in Dallas, I think, has an unusual question. If I'm reading it right, we'll find out. Let me tell you about Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. This is my book, and uh, there's a lot about uh, fall tomatoes and about fruit set and other things uh, in the book. So there you go. Uh, but it has a lot of other information. 840 of my photographs, 344 pages, and it's a hardback. It was printed in San Antonio, so it is all about Lone Star Gardening. And I'm proud to offer this to you. It, offer, it, uh, it includes 50 years' experience of ministering to the needs of gardeners in the Lone Star State. That's what I have under my belt. I grew up in Texas, as you've heard me say many times, worked for the Extension Service. And uh, when I wrote this book, I, I didn't want to have a publishing house uh, sending out uh, a committee after committee telling me how we could cut pages and cut costs. I just wanted this book to have everything it needed to have in it, and that's why I self-published. Now, that meant I had to pay all the costs up front. That's okay. I'll do that. That meant I, I had to hire a uh, uh, an editor. Carolyn Skye was just perfect. I'd worked with her for years, and she's fabulous. And Cindy Smith, as a graphic designer, she'd done my last 10 Texas gardening calendars, and she is just fabulous. So that's the team, and this is the book. Now, the next printing of the book will be $38.95. I have dropped the price on this one to $32.95 to help you beat inflation and to get some cash flow because i got to pay up front for the next printing. So there you are. <laughs> I'll call it what it is. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. It has 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening. Chapter 2 is that calendar I described in the last uh, half hour uh, of when to do everything in your landscape and garden, 48 pages, month by month. Uh, chapters 3 through 11 cover all the different plant types from trees and shrubs, vines and ground covers, to annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetables, and lawns. It's all there for you. And like I said, 840 of my photos and more than 25 multi-page charts. The book is not in stores and not on Amazon. The reason? I can keep your costs lower by selling it directly to you. I don't make any more. I just don't have to uh, uh, 
send it to them and let them uh, take their part out, I can sell it directly to you. So when I mail it, I'm taking it to the post office myself. I wheel it in on my two-wheeler dolly and, and take it right on in for you. So that's Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. I sign them as you buy them. Simple as that, Thirty-two ninety-five. There are two ways you can buy it. One is by calling my office weekdays. The other is by going to my website anytime, right now. That's neilsperry.com. The office phone number, by the way, is 1-800-752-GROW. 800-752-GROW. And the website is neilsperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Jan has been waiting so patiently in Brian. I better be good and make this worthwhile. Jan, thanks for waiting. How can I help you? Thank you, Neil. Um, I need to replace a couple of my azaleas. They're about 20 years old, so they're kind of on their last legs. Sure. And I was reading your article in the College Station Eagle about azaleas planting, and and I quote, it's imperative that azaleas be planted into beds 10 or 12 inches below grade and 6 to 8 inches above grade. I don't understand. You can't be below grade and above grade at the same time. It's magic, Jan. It's just magic. They <laughs> levitate. <laughs> what you do is you dig a, uh, you, and roses would be about the same way, you dig a, a I'll call it a pit or a trench or whatever you want to call it. You You remove that great old Brazos Valley soil or whatever you had your azaleas growing in. You go down about uh, 10 or 12 inches, take that soil and use it somewhere else in your landscape, and that leaves you that void, and then you fill that void and six more inches up above grade. So you have about 16 or 18 inches deep of planting bed. Uh, that would be important in Brazos County. I grew up in Brazos County. I know the soils. I know I broke more than one shovel. That was before uh, the uh, fiberglass handles. Um, and, and so that's how you get a, a bed that is both above and below grade that way. Um, okay. And uh, and I can understand. I, I, may, I may change my wording a little bit because I can see how that would be confusing. Um, in East Texas, if you were to go 40 miles east of, of uh, Bryan, then all of a sudden you'd be in soils that wouldn't require all that. It used to make me so frustrated when Mom and Dad would drive me before I could drive uh, over toward Huntsville, and all of a sudden there were dogwoods and pine trees and things I wanted to grow, and I always felt like, gee, why didn't you move over here? And they would remind me that they both worked at A&M. Oh, well, I guess it does matter. <laughs> so... You didn't, you didn't buy your property just because I wanted to garden. You wanted a job. But anyway, that's, that's how you get that bed, and, and um, it's really important that it be all organic matter. The farther west you go in Texas, the closer you get to Interstate 35, uh, over toward Austin and, and, and Waco and Dallas-Fort Worth, the, the more absolutely critical it becomes that it be totally organic matter, 50% sphagnum peat moss and 50% finely ground pine bark mulch. You could probably include some compost with that, but you don't want to put anything alkaline back in that soil because back in that in the, the bed that you're preparing. Uh, yes. That's yeah. going to, that's, that's, 
bed that I just described is going to decay. It's going to compost over a period of time and settle. And if you do nothing more for your plants over a period of time, you're, they will be down in a, in a well. They'll it'll just sink. And so you have to add two or three fresh inches every year uh, to the top. You top dress with it. Their roots will come up in it. They won't hurt them because it's so loose. Does that that make sense? I didn't have that in the article, but that's very yes, important it does. That do that. It does make sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a, another question. Sure. Is is a twenty year old azalea is is that an average length or average span lifespan? The farther east you go, the the more average that becomes. Uh, you get over in Tyler and and Huntsville. That's uh, that's easy. Uh, in Bryan College Station, that's a bit of a challenge. I never, well, when I was growing up, I didn't see very many that were that old. Uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, normally we figure, where I live, we figure uh, eight or ten years, and we need to replace them oh. because our irrigation water is so very, very alkaline. So it it's it's fuel to the fire. You know, they have a short life expectancy in, in the Metroplex and all down Interstate 35. Anywhere you have alkaline water, then you're... you're there's no way to counteract that. You can counteract the soil. You can't counteract the water. But in your area, I, I think 15 or 20 years is probably, you've gotten a lot yeah. of good out of them. Think of how often you replace your pansies or uh, other right. flowers. And so right. it's not right. a bad deal. Well, we're on a well, so I don't really know how alkaline our soil could, or our water is. But. You could have the water tested, which is not a bad idea once to have some idea of what you have. Uh, the soil That's testing good. lab at A&M can do a well water test for you as well. Yeah, well, great. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your patience and waiting on me. I, I didn't well, I appreciate your help. Have a good day. Take care. You have a good day. God uh, bless bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, Mary and Wendell, stay with me. You'll come up right after this. I'll do a quick version of my website ad. neilsperry.com is where you order my book. That's where you can see more about the book if you're interested. It's where you sign up for eGardens, the electronic newsletter, and a lot of other things. That archived information on St. Augustine issues and Rose Rosette virus, crepe myrtle bark scale, and uh, and 1001 frequently asked garden questions all of that available to you at neil sperry n e i l s p e r r y dot com why pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own a mueller building mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble they're affordable and they offer a permanent storage solution right there in your own backyard with a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape and if your equipment requires even more storage space mueller's standard series buildings are ready to go to work for you they're fabulous from workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online. That's at MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Get a free customized building estimate. And while you're there, click on their color selector tool. It makes choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553 or visit them at uh, MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. I'll have more after this message. 
All right. Thank you, Kelly. We have two calls, and we have about three minutes left, so I'm going to need to move quickly for Mary and Wendell both. Mary, this is Neil. You're in Dallas. How can I help you? Hi. I hope you're doing great and your family's doing great. I have a question about Persian ivy. We bought it from you years ago at a garden show, and uh, it's really been happy. It's it's just spread so much, but we need to transplant it to some other areas where we need it. How do we do that and have it survive? All right. Uh, I've never transplanted my Persian ivy. Persian ivy, <laughs> folks, is uh, heterocolchica. Uh, it is a big sister or big cousin to uh, English ivy. Um, what I always did, and this was a fundraiser for Serenity High, a recovery high school that, that I did each year for several years. Right. Um, and that's where Mary got her, uh, her plants. Uh, I took the cuttings in November and rooted them in my greenhouse over the winter and sold them uh, to you and others in late spring. Um, the, uh, the way I did it was, uh, took stem cuttings, uh, each with a piece of the actual stem, not the stem of the leaf, but the actual woody stem and one leaf, and uh, stuck about four of those, three or four of those, in a four-inch pot filled with good potting soil. I took the cuttings during the winter and put them in the in the warm greenhouse, a 60-degree, which is warm for, for a, a greenhouse, or reasonably warm, and put, uh, we, we did 3,000 pots a year, and wow. uh, that's uh, uh, how, how I did them. And they root very well that way, and they're beautiful by May. It, it takes a while, but but winter is, or at least in my experience, was the best time to do it. We don't have a greenhouse, um, but I would could we leave- I would take them I would take them in late winter, probably in uh, early mid February, and put them in pots, and uh, then put them out um, uh, in the yard uh, in, in a sunny spot maybe rig up some plastic over them to keep them as warm as you can, just almost a cold frame kind of setting. I really want to get to Wendell, too, if I can, Mary, but but give them some warmth, and they will root come spring and and start growing for you. It's the same as starting English ivy. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Wendell and College Station, how can I help you? I have about a minute and a half. Okay, Neil, I'll try to make this as quick as I can. I have about a 10-year-old Chinese pistachio that's been doing fairly well, uh, except this year, all of a sudden, uh, clumps of leaves will just turn completely turn brown almost overnight. And the funny thing I've noticed about it is where the leaves uh, attach to the little branch, it's black. All right, and how far down on the on the stem does that happen? Is it just um, at the tips of the brain? You know what, Wendell? I'm going to ask oh, that you go on hold. I'm, I'm going to ask that you go on hold and let Jared give you a phone number where I can be reached in a two-hour program I have starting at 1 o'clock. I'd, I'd like to help you there. Would that be all right? If you'll call me right uh, yeah, after that's... 1, I'll have all the time we need. Jared, I have, what, 15 seconds? Is that right? Oh, I got a minute. Okay, I've got a minute. All right. Okay. If this is only happening at the at the tips of the branches, then then you're right in looking at the at the uh, at the stems. Are you seeing any kind no, of uh, chew mark or anything? No, I'm not. And it's the entire leaf, all the way down, all the way down the stem to where it connects to the branches. All right, but it's it's only and leaf it's, by leaf. Let me, uh, let me explain. Like let me explain. Let me explain to people that a pistachio leaf has many leaflets. It is a compound leaf, and so you're mm-hmm. talking about a a leaf with yeah. uh, with nine or eleven leaflets. 
Exactly, the whole thing. All right. All right. And just one at a time. It's not a whole twig or branch. No, it's not. It's kind of scattered throughout the tree. All right. Um, I'll tell you, the other thing you could do, and I think I'll be able to find it, if you want to take a photo right now and post it on my Facebook page, I will be, I'll look for it during the next hour. I have an hour off, and I'll look at it, if you can do that at Neil okay. Sperry. I've got to run this time, but one way or the other, and you stay on hold, and Jared will give you that phone number. Folks, thanks for listening. Happy gardening. <laughs>